You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show and the CEO peer groups that I lead, please visit my company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. If you know someone who would make a great guest, like my guest for today, Paul Altieri, then let me know. The best way is just to call me. Call me, 949-887-4104, and you can also text me to that number because that's my cell phone. Paul has built his business on the foundation of providing customers with a better, safer, and more efficient way to buy and sell pre-owned and vintage watches by providing accurate and honest pricing information. I've invited Paul in today to talk about his story and to share a bit about Bob's watches Paul, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Let's start with, if you could, just an interesting story, something from your past. Does it have to be truthful, or can I make something good up? Embellish it as you want. This is the internet. You know, I think uh, one of the most interesting stories I always tell over the years is how, in fact, I even ended up in California. Okay. It's kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, I just graduated college. I was a kid uh, looking to get in real estate and uh, was heading to Florida had applied for a job, and a friend of mine begged me to come out and visit with him in California. And if anybody growing up had said to me, Paul, you're going to end up in California, you're going to do business, have a family, I'd say, you're crazy. I don't even know where California is on the map, and I don't know anybody out there. So Uh it's kind of funny, in a sense, that I'm even out here. Okay. And it's kind of a good segue into our discussion, I think, later on, Rich, because a lot of the things that I kind of believe in is... Don't be afraid to take a chance in life, in business. Mm-hmm. You've got to take take good chances, but but take chances. So where did, where so were you? So that's how I ended up out here. Where were you when you decided to come west, young man? I was actually in Boca Raton, Florida, okay. and had just applied for a job in real estate, and I was waiting to hear. Okay. Now, that was in 1980. That was before oh telephones. Gosh. Yes. Before the internet, of course. Cell phones. And so, before yep, telephones. Cell phones. Cell phones. I'm sorry. We had telephones then. Yeah. I was around <laughs> 1980. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> sorry about that. That's no, okay. But um, so I was waiting around. They said, we'll call you in two weeks. And so I was literally waiting around for the phone to ring, waiting uh-huh. for that first job. Right. And uh, I came out here for a visit, got a, a round trip ticket. While I was out here, I figured out and learned that I didn't get the job. Oh, wow. So there was no reason to go back. And right. people say, well, didn't you go back and get your things? Well, the funny, I didn't have anything. Everything I owned was in my duffel bag. <laughs> so here it is almost 40 years later. I'm still in California. Fantastic. So don't be afraid to take a chance. And thank God you're here because now yeah. you're in the studio. We're going to talk about... And no- I met you. Yes. And I'm very excited about that. So let's talk about the firm and the brand. In in the open, I talk about how you've built on a foundation, kind of, a, of honesty, and you created a market. So so tell me a little bit about your firm, Paul. Well, Bob's Watches uh, was kind of conceived about seven, eight years ago after kind of just listening to customers uh, over and over, you know, complain or yearn for a better way to buy and sell their Rolex watches. So we never looked out at it and said, we can make a lot of money, let's do this, this, or that. Okay. It was really just a reaction to listening to customers. And so we said, let's build a better, more efficient, open, honest, transparent way for people to buy and sell 
Rolex watches, but mm-hmm. we had no idea seven years later it would turn into what Bob's Watches is today. Now we're a, an international company. We sell all over the world. We buy from all over the world, and it's been a lot of fun. So I love this. Uh, maybe, oh, bless you, our engineer just had a sneeze, but you didn't hear that, but I saw it. I'm wondering if the engineer could reach around and find the gong button, because, Paul, our loyal listeners know that when they hear the gong, usually they're listening as an iTunes podcast. That they need, to, if they weren't playing 100% attention, they need to go back just 30 seconds and pick up something. But I'm gonna, for the benefit of the audience, I'm going to ask you to, to repeat that because I think what I just heard from you is a teachable moment, which is entrepreneurs who listen to the market. Listen, yes, listen to your customer. Let them dictate which way you're going to go. Right. So you may have a, a preconceived notion of selling a product or an item or in a territory. Listen to them. And, and, and heed their demands. And if, if they're looking for a particular uh, want or void in the marketplace, fill it. Right. So you were doing something. Were you doing something related to watches that got you around these people who said, I don't know who what a fair price for my Rolex is, Paul? No, actually, uh, we were looking to do something on the Internet. I, okay. I had just sold my company in 2004. Yes, which company was and, that? Uh, it was a, a an older finance company yes. that uh, had gotten up to about 25 stores. Okay. And uh, we sold it in 2004. And so I was looking to do something in business locally and became fatuated, infatuated with the Internet. Okay. And stumbled upon the Bob's Watches concept. So tell me why... You chose Bob. That's a good question. <laughs> Your name is, is not Bob. I'm ready to change my name to Bob. I've considered it. It's a much stronger name now it, in the market, right? Exactly. No, but it would okay. be much easier. People call and ask for Bob, and, and truthfully, there is no Bob now. But we bought the company from Bob Thompson. Wow. And Yeah, we did. And uh, it, we found that it was better to buy an existing company sure. as opposed to starting one from scratch. So why? Hence, that's why it's not Paul's watches or but California why, watches. why was it better to buy than build? Well, that's a good question. Um, one of the Internet strategies we had way back in 2009 and 10 was that if we could find a domain name that had some age to it. Okay. And it was an experiment. It had never been done before. So we it was just a, a kind of a, a guess and, and a little bit of a chance. Right. And uh, we thought that it would have a little bit better chance of, you know, ranking with Google. All right. And so a friend of mine, Bob Thompson, was getting ready to retire. And wow. so rather than start a business from scratch, we thought, uh, why not just buy Bob Thompson out? Uh-huh. And so we bought his company. He okay. kept his inventory because we had a whole different strategy of what products we wanted to carry. Right. He was mostly carrying lower-end watches like Elgin, Hamilton, Bulova. And I had this idea and this vision to do it with higher-end watches like Rolex watches. Right. That's, so, that's I'm sorry. That's so interesting that you, you knew the niche that you wanted to go after, Right. High-end watches, vintage watches that had a market. We did, yes. So, Paul, let's do it one more time here on Critical Mass Radio Show, which is something that I work on a lot with entrepreneurs and business owners is know your niche. Exactly. Find Find one. Find it. Find one. And know it. So I get I get called a lot or asked a lot by young young people and they say uh, you know Paul what's the secret you know and uh, you know I say the secret to what and they want to know you know how, what's the secret to success in business and yes. I'll say well I'm going to tell you the the answer but you can have to promise me you won't tell anybody and they get up close and I'll say it's hard work 
and they get all they get all disappointed because they're looking for some easy button answer. And there is no easy button in life. Right. It's hard work. Right. So find a void in the marketplace is what I always say. Okay. Or build a better mousetrap. All right, we're talking with Paul Alteri. We're talking about his firm, Bob's Watches, and we're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg. So my engineer is telling me it's time for our a short, very short commercial break. So if you listen to the radio show, you know as a podcast we just do one less than 60-second uh, message. That message is about one of the products or services that I do. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to us on the live stream on octalkradio.net or as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, we'll be right back after this word from me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. All right, welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guests' websites whose CEOs have put their appearance on their platform somewhere, like I'm sure Paul's going to do on Bob's Watches someday. Since 2009, our shows reach several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream and our podcast. Simply type in these four words in your favorite podcasting software. The four words are critical mass radio show and you'll automatically start receiving our weekly shows all right i'd like to return to the interview with paul altieri paul tell me about a business challenge you faced and how you overcame it well i think the uh one of the biggest challenges i faced maybe in the last 10 years was learning the internet you know the internet technologies and all that kind of relate to that and it's a constant ever-changing environment that any business today has to compete in. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the the landscape there is always changing. So just keeping up with technology is is a big, big job, and it's a huge challenge today for, for us and for pretty much anybody uh, between social media marketing, uh, website presence, um, and, and the Internet. It's just been it's, – it's a, it's a tough – it's a tough, challenging environment, in addition to all the other challenges like hiring good people. And I've been very, very fortunate to have an amazing team around me. Okay. But that's always been a challenge to, to businesses in the last hundred years. What's new is this thing called the Internet. Yes. And so uh, I, I encourage small business people and, and even medium-sized businesses, embrace it. Embrace change. It's not going anywhere. It's not a fad. Right. It's going to be here forever. So over the uh, time that you've embraced the internet, it's your platform for selling your products and creating your marketplace. Have you had to put a lot of cost expense into driving traffic to your platform? Or do you have any uh, any suggestions for people who want to drive traffic to their platform, ways to do it? Yeah, my, my suggestion is always to learn it yourself. Like for any small business or any CEO or, or, or of a small company, uh-huh. learn it. Read. Get on the internet, read forums and SEO communities, and uh, there's some great websites out there that have got a lot of information uh, that's free, and you don't have to sign up with. But but building traffic, building a presence online is huge for anybody, whether you're a pizza parlor, 
uh, you know, in your local community or you're a global printer nationwide or even around the world, you need an online presence. So you need traffic and you've got to constantly write articles and, and build credibility on the Internet. And it's an it's a constant thing. It's not something you do, you know, one week or one day and then take another month off. Right. It's constant need, and, and you've got to keep building it. Right. It's it. Okay. And when did you know, at what point did you know that the, that the, the strategy behind Bob's Watches and the work that you were doing online had legs and traction and that there was a scalable business model there? Yeah, well, I think uh, it was encouraging early on to see that customers were embracing the the trust and and I think the one of the biggest challenges getting back to the last question was 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 obtaining that and, and creating that trust and integrity in the right, marketplace right. and so here we were buying and selling very expensive items and asking folks to drop that watch or even buy that watch over the internet online through a website yeah with an unknown a brand new company 7 or 8 years ago you said Yes, exactly. So it started out one customer at a time and then grew to two. They didn't come in in bus loads or truck loads. Right. So building and building that trust and integrity, it took a long, long time. So to answer your question, it wasn't overnight. Right. It took years right. to build it. Right. And that's a key other lesson. We won't gong you to death here on the Critical Mass Radio Show because every time something comes out of his mouth, I feel like I could almost play the gong. But we're not going to for this one. But perseverance is important, right? Persistence. And if you believe and you have a strategy that works, you've got to keep working it. Be the good guys. Yeah. Take the long road. Uh, don't take shortcuts and build it. Build it for long term. Remember, you've got to eat short term, but build yeah. it for long term. Pay your mortgage. Long term value. Save your kids' college. All the other stuff. All right. We're talking with Paul Altieri. Paul, I wonder if you might be able to share with our audience your core philosophy that you've used as a serial entrepreneur to build successful companies. I mean, is is there an overarching philosophy that you have or a view on how you approach a business, whether it was in your previous business or it's in Bob's watches that you can share with our audience today? Well, I think it's always been uh, a good prudent philosophy in, in business, even in the last 50, 100 years, to invest in good people. Uh, we, I found it always to be uh, a, a very rewarding uh, experience for, for your business. And, and I want to be around smart people that are fun, uh, fun to be around and, and contribute and, and are successful in, the, in and of themselves. So invest in good people to begin with. That's, that's the foundation for any business, isn't it? Especially if totally. it's a service business, right? Exactly. Where, yep. you, where, you, where you're, uh, in, you're providing a service to the client. It's not a product that they can value. It's the relationship, the transaction. Exactly. Yep. And, and today, you know, it's always, if you're going to do business online, which you, you really have to today, you've got to be trustworthy. You've got to build integrity. You've got to be the good guys. If you get a customer that's, that's unhappy with a purchase or unhappy with a service, make up for it. You know, we're not perfect. We try to be, we try to make every transaction perfect. Right. But, you know, we're human beings. Every once in a while you mess up. Just take care of it. You know, make the customer happy. Right. Whatever you have to do. So this is off script, but I'm just wondering, in all the years that you've been doing this and all the watches that you've created a marketplace for, any story where you didn't, where, where, where the watch wasn't what you thought it was, or any interesting story of, of where people... We, we get interesting stories all the time where watches will come in and they're, they're in pieces, and sometimes we have to put them together and we can't even imagine how this watch was even held on their wrist. Uh-huh. Uh, but a lot of times we'll get fake watches in, which, of course, we don't deal in, so we'll send them back right to the customer. So can you look at a watch and 
now look at it and go, eh, that's not that's not a real watch. Usually, okay. the answer, yeah, the quick really? answer is usually. So there are some fakes that are really. So the the fifty dollar fakes and the seventy five dollar fakes, I can tell pretty much from across the room. <laughs> but the five hundred dollar fakes take a little bit of time. So there are five hundred. I'm ignorant. So there are five hundred dollar imitation watches. There are. China has gotten very very good China. at reproducing you know Rolex watches, and and they do a really really good job. But again, oh. it's not the fifty dollar fakes. Right. It's the three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollar fakes. I mean, it takes equipment to oh, look really? at it, inspect okay. it. Okay. Sometimes we have to take it apart. Wow. Yeah, and, they're getting real good. Right, but you're doing all that to build an honest platform for your consumers to know they're buying what they think they're getting. Absolutely, right? you 100%. have to go to those extremes, and we guarantee it a hundred percent because we don't want to sell a product that's even ninety nine percent authentic Rolex or right. authentic Patek Philippe or Cartier. Yeah. It's got to be 100%. Right. You've got a brand to maintain. Absolutely. Brand reputation. So, yeah. And so, it's more important than price. I mean, people are concerned nowadays about price. And, of course, price is important. Sure. But first and foremost is, am I buying a legitimate watch? And when right. you're talking about a Rolex watch, there are a lot of counterfeit product out there in the market. So is that – so let's go back then seven or eight years. Is that what was the idea behind Bob's watches, to take that concern off the table in the marketplace for people to buy I felt like people were not doing a good job, good enough job. And I felt like there was it was long overdue for someone to come in and build a better, more efficient, open, transparent, and I know it sounds cliche, right. but, but uh, you know, a trustworthy, you know, environment, a platform, a marketplace where people could buy and sell and they could see both prices of the watch, whether they were buying the watch or selling the watch. Wow. So, so how, it was a little bit of an experiment, right. and it was a little bit dicey. We didn't know if it would take off. It had never been done before, this exchange model. And so uh, to that extent, you know, you know, I, had, I didn't know if it was going to work. <laughs> would people get it? Would they understand it? Would they, would they, would they send me their watch? Would they buy a watch from right. me? There's a lot of and questions so it, was a, it was a long road. Right. Yeah. Did, did anyone who you were telling your idea to go, are you crazy? That's never going to work. There had to be some skeptics. There were, there were plenty of people that said, why would you do that? Why right. would you list both prices? Why would you tell people how much you're making? Why are you giving away your margin? And I said, you know what? We'll make it up. Exactly. We'll, we'll make it up on volume. We'll make a little bit of profit. And at the end of the day, we're trying to make 5 or 10% profit. And if we do everything right, there'll be a little bit of profit. But we'll make it up on volume. Right. So and how, we'll let people know. They'll be able to see both prices. So how has the market for vintage and pre-owned high-end watches changed since you started this practice in this business that's a good that's a good question too because i think like any other industry or or business it has had you know has had the internet's had a, a profound impact on almost every every industry right and so you've got to embrace the technology you've got to embrace the changes so like other industries the watch industry has been disrupted by the internet as well mm-hmm. so you had a lot of large brick and mortar businesses selling watches that, uh, you know, maybe didn't make it or they weren't as successful the last 10 years because of, you know, the Internet. And and maybe they didn't embrace it as much as they could. And maybe maybe they fell behind. I mean, a good example of it is is Blockbuster Video. Yeah. And why why are there no more, more Blockbuster Video stores? It's because Netflix came along and ate their lunch. Right. Much better model. Exactly. Okay, so uh, off script again. It feels like you were the disruptor in that space, though. Well, one reporter once told us, so you're like the Uber of the yeah. of the watch industry. Right. And I had never heard that before. Right. And I said, I don't know, is that a compliment or a, well, 
or an insult. You disintermediated the way people were transacting the watches using technology, right? I, I guess to some extent, you, yes. No, you did. I mean, you're, you built a platform that is probably one of the premier places people go now. I had some good help. Okay, you're a modest man. But you're the entrepreneur behind it. This is your success. This is at least your second successful entrepreneurial venture. It, at least, yes. Is there more? Yeah, hopefully there'll be more. <laughs> Thinking about opening up a radio talk show. There I you go. Of, you're in a, a, don't say that because <laughs> Paul, the owner of the radio station, won't let you leave now. We'll talk he, later. You might be a prospect. Yeah, he'll he'll get he'll get no, you on this fun. platform. It is fun. Time yeah. flies, and you're sharing good information to a hopefully well, I an hope so. that, that's, I that's hope interested so. in listening. Um, what's the biggest risk you ever took in business? Oh, I think uh, coming here and doing this interview, aside from that, um, (laughs) you've done countless interviews. I think the exchange model was uh, a huge experiment. It was a huge risk. You know, would people get it? Would they understand it by listing both prices, the buy and the sell? Yeah. And basically, too, Rich, I don't know if we talked about it, but it's it's kind of modeled after the New York Stock Exchange, where if you want to know what IBM stock is is trading at, you can pick up any newspaper around the country Uh and you see a bid and an ask, which is a buy and a sell price. Yeah. I said, why not for watches? Why couldn't it work? But it still was an experiment. It had never been done before for watches or any product. So to that extent, it was like, you know, would people get it? Would they understand it? So how do you get... So the market tells you what IBM should be buying and selling for, right? There, there are Supply people Supply and demand. Right. So how do you set... How do you understand and then translate what an honest price, buy and sell price for a watch is? Well... We participate in the market. We're, we're a big participant in the market, but we're not the market. The market's much bigger than us. But what we are is kind of the pulse of the market. So we're a good barometer or kind of like the Kelly Blue Book, if you will. Okay. So you can go on our site and you can kind of gauge the supply and demand. So if we see, for instance, that a particular model is, is getting short on supply, we'll start to bump prices up. Oh, wow. What we're willing to pay for it, because okay. we need the product. But so that will bump prices up. So as as supply gets scarce, prices will just automatically go up. Now they won't go up a lot, but maybe five percent, two percent, ten percent max until it equilibriums. You know, until it equalizes out. Right. So so are, and the it, same on the downside as well. If if we're getting too large of an inventory of a particular model or product, you might see prices come down a little bit because there's too much supply. So and not enough demand. Are you saying in your model then that you are holding the inventory for resale? We are, yeah. We actually take physical. Okay. So so it's not that Paul, the producer of the radio show, sells Rick the watch using your platform. He sells Paul, the owner of Bob's Watches, the watch, who and, then sells it to Rick. Exactly. We're the intermediary. Okay. We buy it. Okay. Yep. So you're setting the market based we on... We step up and we are the market. Right. Yes. Yep. Right. And so do you have any estimate of how much of this market... Bob's watches is accounting for now. That's a good question. You know, I try the to market ask good questions on the show. Yeah, you do. I did my yeah. homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a it's a very large market. Uh, some estimates have put it at north of fifty billion dollars uh, in Jeez. in pre owned vintage timepieces wow. that are out there in the market. I had no idea that it's huge. And so we're billion a fraction, with a B. Billion yeah, with a B. Billion, yes. So just to give you an example, eBay. It's estimated that eBay does a little under a billion dollars a year uh-huh. just in Rolex watches. What the hell? Yeah. And they're not new. They're all used, yeah. pre-owned, vintage. Right. So the market's pretty large, and Rolex as a company sells just under ten billion a year in brand new watches. So every year, right. that marketplace is growing right. exponentially. So what is the fascination? So we're a small fraction of, of okay. what that total market is. Okay. Thank Tiny. You. 
Thank you for being humble. Yeah. Well, uh, I almost lost my train of thought. What's the attraction for people to buy a vintage watch? It's. It seems like the last five or ten years, there's been a surge in in vintage uh, watches. Not not just Rolex. Rolex obviously is the the market leader in it. But I think I, I think it's a, there's a cool aspect to it. I mean, anybody can buy a brand new Rolex watch, and obviously the market's Time huge. Time Anybody can't buy a brand new Rolex watch. Well, almost anybody okay. if you can afford it. Now we offer financing too, so we're trying to appeal to it. So, so almost anybody. Always be selling, almost, baby. Always be selling. I'll get you into that yeah, watch. We'll get you that watch. But uh, the vintage market is it's interesting, and they a lot of the older watches have character. Okay, a story. A story. Is there ever a story? story yeah, has? lots of times there's okay. real famous people that right, own the, right. own the watches. Clark Gable wore this watch on the or set James of Bond or, or James Steve McQueen Bond. or Paul Newman. Okay, and and there's been a tremendous and I think the internet has helped propel that interest to some extent too. Instagram has been huge for the vintage watch. How do you? I'm market. way off script. How do you know the story is? How do, first of all, how do you learn the story? And then can you verify the story for people? Like if I well, tell you this watch was worn by Harrison Ford. Yes, on the for, set of- for instance, we, we just bought a watch, uh, an older GMT from 1961. Uh, the guy was a, uh, a three-time Purple Heart recipient. Oh. He was in three wars. Wow. He bought the watch brand new in 1961 in Vietnam and wore it for 10 or 15 years. Had not told his wife that he had bought the watch, so he kept it a secret from her. Oh, my God. Because he was afraid she would get upset. Now, he paid very little for the watch. I mean, they were only sold for a couple hundred dollars uh, back then. But we just acquired the watch about two months ago from the family, and we did a whole write-up on wow. it. And we'll put it on the site. We'll take pictures of it. We'll do the whole write-up for, uh, from the family, his background, pictures of his Purple Heart, his his you know his war history. Right. And uh, we validate, of course, as much as we can. Sure. But they're really interesting stories, and we love sharing them wow, with, that... with the public and with the people. So if, if they're... If the they're... story is sometimes... As interesting as the watch, right? Or, or more so, right? So, and then they get to tell the story, the new owner of the watch, right? Exactly. So that keeps it kind of alive. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. kind of Ex- awesome. Yep. Totally. Okay. It's fun. Oh, I didn't expect that. Now, uh, new watches are fun too. You know, Rolex does a great job of. Do you sell uh, new watches? We occasionally get a brand new watch. Okay. Yes. Somebody, like somebody got gets it as a, as a gift. They or... got it as a gift. They don't like the way it looks right. or it feels yeah. or right. it's too big. It's too right. small. Uh, 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 that happens. Okay, uh, I understand that. So we're talking with Paul O'Terry. Sorry, I didn't. I usually, you know, announce who I'm talking to, but hopefully you're. You're way so, off script. You're so interested in it. Yeah, like they, they're, they're kind. Of, uh, and we're talking about his firm, Bob's Watches, and we're talking uh, uh, just a few more minutes here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. What's the uh, future hold for you? Good question. Hopefully, it's good. Um, okay. I, I think uh, there's a lot of things we could do. Continue to grow organically. Is probably number one. Uh, we could also, uh, you know, someday if I get enough energy and enthusiasm for it, open up in Europe somewhere. I think it would open up the whole international oh, yeah. market if we were in Europe. Yes. Yes. Uh, Asia. 
You know, no, probably Europe. Europe? Uh, more, I mean, Asia maybe after Europe okay. if I continue to have enough energy, sure, and enthusiasm. But you're <laughs> you're on a platform that could service the world, aren't you? I mean, you're we, on the internet. We could, but there are there are issues with shipping and customs duties. Okay. Okay. So if we got inside the EU, so okay. there wouldn't be any okay. customs, and we'd be able to f- trade freely between those seventeen or eighteen countries. I see. So there's a huge advantage to being there. So yeah, you're right. It would be better if we could just stay here and and service internationally mm-hmm. from from California, but. Uh, logistically, it would be a little bit more a competitive advantage to be located in, in Europe somewhere. Any sense for what the vintage market is in Europe as compared to the U.S.? That's a good question. I think the U.S. is always the biggest market. It is for the biggest economy any, in the world. So. Yeah, so any, so I, I know it's going to be is it less, but is it half? Is it 40%? I, I really don't know. But I would uh-huh. I would guess it's sizable enough for us to be there. Okay. And, and you're seeing from the returns on the business and the growth that you still have legs just focusing in North America. We do. We're still growing at 30 40% a year, and we feel that's sustainable 30 growth. 40% a year. We are, yes. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah. Any wood left? Yeah, yeah, yeah this is yeah, yeah. veneer, but there's wood in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, so we're entire, you know, just grateful and, and real happy and, and uh, content with, with that kind of growth. Uh-huh. And I've been to your place here in Orange County because you do have a storefront, yes? We do, yes. So if people are in Orange County and they want to come by, is that appropriate to come by your storefront? Totally, yes. We have a, a lobby. We've got uh, you know staff, a sales staff there to help people. We get people that fly in from you know out of the country to come in and visit. We get people from London and South America. We get people from Europe occasionally. No, not a lot of people, but we're close enough to LAX that right. people can fly in any from almost anywhere to LAX, and then we're only like a forty-five minute right. drive south. Right, and you're a beautiful part of the county, and not too far from the ocean. You got yeah. all that, you got all that going. For we you. do. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's so much traffic, tourism, and business that comes to Southern California. It would not be difficult to imagine that some of these people could come by your shop It'll, if they if they thought about it. Then right? a lot of time we had people that come down. They came down uh, about. Three or four years ago from Toronto, okay, and they made a vacation out of it. Wow! They went to Hollywood. They yeah. went to Disneyland. Right? There's a lot of other things to see here. And they sold me their Paul Newman Rolex. <laughs> so how good was that? <laughs> yeah, it was Paul, great. It we was were, Paul, literally Paul Newman. No, no, no. It oh. it was a watch that he wore, like like one that he wore. Okay. Yeah. So is there one? It's a pin, it's a pyramid, I imagine, of value and perceived you know, desirability. Is there a watch that sits at the top of that pyramid that is the holy grail of of vintage watches that people that's hard a, to get? Or? Yeah, that's a tough, you know, uh, question to answer. But, but I would still say that the Paul Newman is still, it's not the most expensive, okay. but it's certainly one of the most desirable vintage collectible watches. Why? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with Paul Newman. Really? Yeah, and, and the fact that he wore it it's a watch that his wife Joan, uh-huh. apparently, if the story is correct, okay, uh, gave gave him. I think on one of his birthday years ago, uh-huh. and so he wore it every day, pretty much on his wrist. And so I think, and then the Italians in the in the in the late nineties and early two thousands started buying up these Paul Newman Daytona models, okay, and they really drove the price up. And so they're 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 the watch to own. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Look for that watch. All right. It's not affordable, but it's, <laughs> it's collectible. Okay. Uh, do people wear these watches? Sure they do, yeah. Okay. Yep. So even though they're a collectible watch, they still... They'll still wear it. Yeah, still it's still it very durable. These watches were made as tool watches, or, you know, by Rolex 
years ago when they were conceived, whether it's a GMT or a seed weller, they were made to be worn, used, and enjoyed. Okay. Yeah. So they're sturdy. They're, they're sturdy, sturdy and durable. All right. So if someone wants to learn more about Bob's watches and your story, wh- where do you suggest they go online? Go online. Go to this uh, this search engine called Google and type in best place to buy a Rolex, and hopefully we come up. Okay. Number one, hopefully. But you just don't only sell Rolex. We don't. No, but it's, pr- it's probably 90% of what we do, Rich. We do sell Patek Philippe and Cartier and all, pretty much all the other brands, but uh-huh. it's Rolex is still... Uh, 90% of our business. That's an amazing company that they have been able to maintain their position for as long as they have. Yeah, that's another. Maybe you could have them in for a, an interview. Do you know anybody that might uh, I wish, open I wish, the door for me? I wish I did. Okay. I wish I did. Could you work on that a little bit? I will. Probably? I'll get back to you. You're in the industry. You know You know people. People know you. <laughs> of course. Okay. Yep. So one more time. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go online? Go to bobswatches.com. Bob's Watches. Simple as that. Yep. Love to help you. Yeah. It's, it's worth viewing right just to see the kind of product Look at pretty pictures and right. these great articles right it's, yeah. a, it's an interesting read just this if you're just if you're great if this, information if this interview has made you curious about this marketplace in general then this is the market this is the site you want to go to to kind of understand what it's what's all going on there in vintage and used high-end these are high-end watches yes all right sir Thank you for being a friend of the program. Well, thanks for having me. My it was pleasure. Fun. Welcome to the great. Critical Mass community. It's Love great. to be here. It's great Thank to have you. you. It's been a kick in the pants. I've been looking forward to having you on the show for some time. Thanks, Rich. All right. Thank. Uh, I'd like to thank who? What's your name? Paul Roberts. That's right. <laughs> Forgot him. I was uh, whatever. Paul, who's the not only the engineer, but he's also the station owner. He owns this octalkradio.net. And our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show or the firm that I lead, visit my company's website, Critical Mass for F-O-R, business.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 